Hello everyone, it's Chris and Mark here from the In The Saddle podcast and for this episode we decided to create our own tote 10 to follow teams as part of the tote competition uh, which is going to kick off for the flat season on the first day of Royal Ascot. It goes through to October and the deadline for the competition is the 16th of June and we're also as well joined by Jake Russell and we give our own thoughts and feelings and give our explanations behind each one of our horses but yeah Hopefully we can give you some uh, useful tips. I'm going to be I'm going to be honest, Chris. There was some shrewd and questionable selections in this podcast, and some of your handicap jobs I'm not sure about. But we'll see what happens, and hopefully everyone enjoys this. And also, one thing I'd like to note is that we're actually going to do our own private competition with some great prizes and giveaways. So stay tuned. That will be on our Twitter page, and the link will be in our bio. That's right, full details will be on our Twitter and Instagram accounts. But here we go, here are our top 10 teams to follow, and I hope you enjoy our podcast. Today we're going to have a bit of fun, and we're going to go through Jake and Chrissy's top 10 to follow, which is sponsored by the Tote. Um, quickly, what I'll do is I'll just quickly run through the, the rules for all our listeners who wants to get who want to get involved. General rules: points can be scored in all races under flat racing rules in the UK, Ireland, and France in the period between the 16th of June and the 17th of October 2020. The horses that you choose score points by winning and being placed in races taking place during the competition. The score is based on a combination of points based on the grade of the race and the total dividend of your your successful selection. You score more points, the better the grade of the race, and there are 25 bonus races where bonus points are scored. Points are awarded as follows. Group 1 win 25 points. Obviously, that's what you want. A Group 2 win 20 points. Group 3 win 15 points. Listed win 12 points. Any other race win 10 points. And the bonus races, there's quite a few of these. Um, all, top ra- all top races. Queen Anne Stakes, Commonwealth Cup, St. Pat- St. Ja- St. James Palace Stakes, Prince of Wales Stakes, Ascot Gold Cup, Coronation Stakes, Golden Jubilee Stakes, Irish Derby, Oaks, Derby, Eclipse Stakes, July Cup, King George V and Elizabeth Stakes, Sussex Stakes, Stewards Cup, Heritage Handicap, I'm sure Chris has got one for that, International Stakes, Nunthorpe Stakes, Ebor, Heritage Handicap, Ergo Cup, one from my neck of the woods, Irish Champion Stakes, St Ledger, Tote Challenge Cup, Arc de Triomphe and the Champion Stakes, and to round it off, the Queen Elizabeth Stakes the second. And also, an additional 25 points are awarded to winners, and 12 points are awarded to second place getters in the 25 bonus races. It's very simple to enter. You can free to play one stable per customer for a prize, or total prize of 5,000, or if you want to pay £5 to enter, you've got a good chance of winning up to 100,000 plus. So, guys, what's the strategy to win the 100 bags? Start with you, Jake. Pick winners. Um, like, like I said to Chris beforehand, I haven't really done this before. So Chris is probably your man to best just probably strategy going forward, if I'm honest. Yeah, I'd imagine this uh, this podcast will probably get a lot of a lot of traffic. People pinching some of Loader's picks. But um it was quite interesting the the previous podcast that we did looking at the Guineas and the Derby and the Oaks. You did pick quite a lot of similar similar horses. And they've actually came in quite a lot of. Um, but yeah, what would be your angle here, Jake? 
um, what would be your strategy? Are you just primarily looking at group ones? Are you trying to maybe like you're looking at like a handicap or so? Or what's your yeah, idea? probably group ones. Group ones is probably your best option. Obviously, it gives you the most points. Um, I'm not particularly strong on handicaps and picking winners myself. Um, yeah, I know the feeling. Mine's is more of a generic all races. At the yeah, handicaps are not really my sort of thing. So. I can see a loader licking his lips at the phone. Yeah. Twenty-five runner handicap. You know? <laughs> but uh, what what would be your your top ten to go? What would be your number one? My number one. Um, I suppose looking at it quickly at the minute, I've got either King of Change or Siskin. Would be my number one horse. What about Thunderous? I know you were keen on him in the previous podcast. Yeah. I, what I'll put him down as a Guinness, didn't I? I think he's only going yeah. dark now. He's, he's came in a bit. He's came in a bit in the betting as well. So yeah, I'm listening. So yeah, if you just want to go through in chronological order, um, mm-hmm. give me your top ten and just sort of give me a, a brief sort of reasoning why. Um, if you want to I'll crack start on. with uh, I'll start with King of Change, cool. uh, four year old now this year. I read up the other day about Richard Hannon saying it's probably one of the best four year olds he's trained. Um, and I, I noticed he's actually, um, I don't think he's finished out of the, I think he had his first couple of runs, which wasn't too good as a two-year-old. And then since then, he hasn't finished out the top three in five starts. Oh. Uh, second in the 2000 Guineas last year at 66 to one. And then he got the group one win in the Queen Elizabeth Stakes at 12 to one at Ascot, which is a cracking, cracking run and cracking ride by Sean Levy. Um, I think the comments from Hannon as well are good, saying it's a good four-year-old. I believe he's going for the Queen and at Royal Ascot. Can I just stop you, Jake, on, on just the, the Sean Levy comment, right? I, I, I really like this this rider. Do you not think he's a bit underrated? I do. I always say Yeah, definitely. 100%. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Because um, obviously he's yep. given me give me and Chris Loder a couple of turns on a Bilson Brook, one, one of our favourites. But um, oh. yeah, I certainly wouldn't put anyone off, off King of Change. Um, what would be, be your next one? Uh, next one, Siskin. Mm-hmm. Jerry Lyons horse and beaten in four. Um, two group wins last year in Ireland, over in Ireland, I believe. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he come over here and needs to write to go in the Judmont, and then something happened in the in the stalls, so that was unfortunate for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he had a group two win, a group one win at Curra. I was actually on my birthday that was, and I still didn't win that group one. Um, so Were you on? Good. It's just, I uh, no, I wasn't. No. Okay. A bit of a mug on that front, but uh, I went. I went with. I think he came up against Monarch of Egypt. Uh, put down Monarch of Egypt. My bad. Um, yeah, I think. I think he just looks exciting. He's okay. uh, he's got bags of speed, loads of speed going into the final couple of furlongs, um, and he's definitely a, an exciting horse going forward. Where do you I think, think there's be campaign towards Jake? Like which races? Uh, I did look earlier. He's down as the in the Irish Two Thousand Guineas. Mm-hmm. Um, personally. I don't know whether the mild trip would be best for him. I think he's got too much speed for that. Okay. But with regards to what race he would target towards, I'm not too sure on that front. Okay. But into it too much, but so King of so, Change is Siskin so far. Yeah. Um. What else have I got? I'll keep the Irish theme. Uh, I've got one of Jesse Harrington's. I'm quite. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Jesse Harrington. Actually, as a trainer, I think she's brilliant. Um. K. N. Pepper. Okay. Year old. Um, had another great. Yeah, three. She had three starts as a two-year-old. It's a filly, this one. Um, finished third. Oh no, she won all three of her starts actually. First three starts in Ireland um, before coming over, running at Newmarket. 
uh, finishing third, I believe, on that day uh, in a Group One at Newmarket. She's only just beat. Um, no, no, she finished fourth that day. Sorry, she only just beat, but she was impeded in the running in the last furlong, which didn't help her. The course of going to try and win. So I think that was a good run for the first time over here. But beforehand, she won a group. She won a group. And she won a group race over in Ireland. Um, win on debut as well. So yeah, first three starts in Ireland are good. And she's targeted for the Irish 1000 Guineas. There's a pretty poly stakes as well at the end of June at Curra and the Irish Oats. So you'd be hoping to pick up some points there. Obviously, they're top races. Pick up some bonus points. I think Irish. I think Irish Guineas might not be the one, but I know that you like Mum's Tipple as well. I do. Yeah, I heard. I saw the other day that um, he's going for the two thousand Guineas. I don't know whether it's Uh true or not. That's kind of. Are you concerned about the trip there? Yeah, I am for for him. Obviously, we don't know. Only had three runnings, didn't he, last year? And one of them he blew out on and got injured afterwards at Newmarket. So we don't know. We don't really know the true potential of the horse. Personally, I think he's a group winning horse. Um, but the 2000 Guineas trip, I don't think will suit quite suit the horse. Okay. I slightly so, agree with you that as well, because it's, it's always a bit dangerous, especially with betting any post horse coming back from injuries and you're not sure about the trip. Um, There's another one that you, I know you're quite sweet on, it's Thunderous and Mark Johnson's. Yeah, been, been a free start. Um, Mark Johnson, I had an interview with him. He said he's looking fantastic at home, really exciting going forward. Um, he hasn't run in any group races. I think his first two races were class four, class fives, and then I think he won a listed race in his last start last season. Um, wasn't Probably wasn't the most pleasing to the eye, um, but he did battle it out all the way to the line and, and win it. Win it, but just in the length. So, do you think he could be lining something? I mean, Goodwood, you know, Mark Johnson likes. Or do you think he's above that? That's what I agreed. Again, with what's going on, we haven't seen him run yet. It's just difficult to tell. Okay. It's a difficult one. Um, it's another one I know. You're quite sweet, an Alpine Star as well. Yes, another Jesse Harrington horse. Um, like I said, I like Jesse's horses. Uh, this is one I was getting mixed up on with Kay and Pepper. I think this is she's the one that finished fourth or third on debut, I believe, um, and then went on to she had three runs last year, third place on debut, uh, and then two wins in the next start. So she won a Group Two at Curra uh, on her last start of the season in August last year. Um, she w- she yeah she runs all those races the same, and she tracks the leader. In behind and then just sweeps to the lead a couple of furlongs out. Jessica Harrington's not not scared to send one over here as well, so no. you, it's a good chance you're going to pick up something with Alpine Star. Yeah, um, I, so. I think it's getting into the interview. I don't think she's bringing Alpine Star over. Okay. She's down in the Guineas Irish anyway. Okay. Certainly one for the notebook. Um, there's another one I, I know that. I think both of you were sweet on this in the, la- the last podcast at Brentford Hope or Richard Han- Rich- Richard Hughes. Apologise. Yeah. Um, Irish Derby, I think he's got listed. Obviously, he only had the one run last year, so he exposed. We don't know what uh, what he's going to be like as a three-year-old. But I think his debut was one of the one of the most pleasing debuts last year. It was a class three at Newmarket, maiden, one over one mile two. Um, Travelled strongly throughout the race, broke strongly, uh, and then just cruising to the lead one furlong to go. I think it was it was Jamie Spencer one, it wasn't it? I think it was typical yeah. Jamie Spencer fashion. 
yeah, just sat back and then uh, and cruised into the lead and won by five lengths, which is uh, it was very very taken, very taken Port- to watch. Poetry in motion, Jimmy Spencer esque. Yeah. Sariska-esque I think that might be a bit before your boy's time but that was that was a great moment anyway um, moving on to the next one Peaceful Jake yeah anyway Brian the uh, Irish master um, she had three runs last year I believe including a second place behind Borna Pride which was her best performance last year um, her first start was actually a good performance as well she won by seven lengths and a maiden in Ireland, um, which was very good to watch. If you get a chance to watch that, go and watch the replay. That's good. Um, but yeah, like I said, she just finished behind Born of Pride, who's another talented-looking horse. Um, a lot of I've seen a lot of people talking about. Her. I think she's running. Is she running at Kempton, Born of Pride, very soon? Yes, she is. She's entered on Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday, yes, yeah. Possibly. So we'll see what, race. see what the form sort of peaceful. Okay, and um, got two to go. Uh, Tropia. Um, the French one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's running tomorrow. In the French one thousand. I think she'll win that personally. She looks a very talented horse. Obviously, when she ran a, a, a debut, seasonal debut the other day, um, Isaac Faber's horses aren't known at the minute for uh, doing so well in their first start, but uh, she won that very well in the Group Three. I know Chris uh, has got an opinion on French racing. Um, what do you think of Tropia's chances tomorrow? Because you're, you're very much about trainers' form in France, and you've been cleaning up this week. Um, yeah, um, Andre Fab. Well, at the current time of recording, um, he just had a winner with Ocean Atlantique. So there went there yeah. went that uh, lay angle. But um, now Andre Fab, maybe just Sunday is his lucky day because last Sunday he had a treble at Deauville. Um, it's I think I've written a piece uh, at the gg.co.uk up on the website, but it would have already happened uh, by the time you would have uh, been listening to this podcast. But yeah, Trombo, she's she's the yardstick in the race tomorrow. She's the one they've all got to beat. I've personally gone with Samine, who I think could be anything card. Um, but yeah, Trombo, it'd be interesting to see if she does win, if uh, she does uh, maybe come over here later on in the year for some targets, maybe um, could maybe run at Newmarket later on in the year in the July course if they do race there or might come over for Glorious Goodwoods, maybe something like the Nassau Stakes maybe. Um, but yeah, I think she's definitely a filly to um, to definitely watch. Yeah. That'd be interesting. You can sort of lead the, the leaderboard if this one pops in tomorrow, Jake. Um, get you get your entries in, in quick um, and just to round things off highest ground yeah um, I like this horse actually it's Sir Michael Stout's horse it had another one with one run last year um, everything went wrong from the start it pretty much walked out the stalls uh, had, I think about halfway through the race he had to be switched onto the inside um, after not having a, an easy run Um but then when you come, you're watching the, the final two furlongs, he actually just flew, um, pulled away and wins by just under three lengths. So given given the poor start to win by three lengths is a, is a very good game for me. But for his first run as well, considering. He, yeah, he did, he did everything wrong that day. Was it Leicester he ran at? Leicester, yeah. Yeah, he did everything wrong. Um, it's quite ironic. He wasn't that strong in the betting that day. Um, he's very uh, green and he still won very, very comfortably. Yeah. Um, so the top ten... 
of the man himself, Jake Russell, got King of Change, Thunderous, Alpine Star, Mum's Tipple, Cayenne Pepper, Peaceful, Brentford Hope, Siskin, Tropia, which runs tomorrow in France, and Highest Ground. So, pretty confident you'll be doing okay there, Jake. Um, moving on to Lucky Loaders. Um, give me your top one, Chris. Well, I, I think I'll put them all together in kind of all together the trainers because gone for about three about about four trainers I think I've got all together. Um, what's your nap, Chris? What's the nap? What's the listeners want to know? Well, the nap? Well, 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 we'll go with the strongest one at the end because it's actually not you can't actually enter it in the tote system yet. I've actually had to write to the people and I'm hoping next week they'll put put it on the system. So we'll end with that one because that is I think potentially the most well handicapped horse in Britain so I'll mention that at the end as my strongest but away from that I think the horse that uh, I'm quite sweet on would probably be one of the ones at the top of my list is Wal Koenig uh, for John Gosden we obviously um, we've spoken about him a couple of times on the podcast here for the Guineas and Derby preview and then uh, the other day with Peter Finch and his top 20 horses to follow I think this Wal Koenig could be a really special horse um, I, I I don't know if he'll go for the derby. Um, there's been mixed vibes. Some people close um close to the yard have said he's the best thing they've got uh, this year from their three year olds. Um, and he'll go for the derby. But then I've heard Gosden come out and says that he wants to take it quite slowly with this horse. Uh, and I I think actually that's the way to play. I think if they went straight in the derby after one run at Wolverhampton, um, on the all weather that that's quite worrying in my opinion. Um, the fact that he he'll, he'll be really inexperienced, um, but uh, I think he's more of a ledger horse in my personal opinion. I think he's tailor made for the ledger. Uh, I think the staying distances will be his optimum. Uh, half brother to world guy, so he's got top top class credentials. He's by Kingman as well, who I think is going to be the sire to watch this year. I think this is the year as a sire he'll really come of age. Um, it's got some lovely horses that we spoke about uh, in the 20 Horses to Follow podcast um, and another one I'll mention in a minute is trained by John Gosden that's uh, one of his progeny a Kingman's progeny that we'll talk about in a minute but yeah well Koenig you know I think it takes a smart horse to win by that it takes a smart horse to win by that winning distance on debut um, even though it was at Wolverhampton I think I just think he's a really special horse but I think he's he, he's a horse that they should take slowly uh, but I think some of those targets later on during the year, that's where we'll see him uh, at his optimum. And maybe, who knows, if he won the St. Ledger very impressively, he could go for the arc. Then Gosden could have an able logician and and Walconic all lining up in the arc. So that would be He did great. everything wrong at Wolverhampton that day as well, as we, we spoke about before. And I agree with you on the, on obviously the, the whispers that are coming out of Yard because my sort of sources um be saying exactly the same thing they're very very sweet on this on this one um he's about 10 to 1 for the derby he's 20 to 1 for the ledger um but he's certainly i think he's certainly one you definitely want to have on your side and moving on to another one of john goes another one i know you're quite sweet on chris is palace pier yeah uh palace pier i was I was really taken by both his runs at Sandown last season. And what was quite unusual is that you often think that Rab Havlin picks up a lot of the first-time two-year-old rides, but they actually put Frankie de Tori first time out on this one. And then he kept the ride uh, 
and his next win at Sandown. At the the l- last run at Sandown was his most impressive, in my opinion, uh, because at one point he looked like he was going to be in a real battle to slog it out for the win, but he just seemed to find an extra couple of gears in the last furlong or so, and I think he won by about seven lengths. Um, he, I just think those races for later on in the year, I don't know if he'll go for the St. James's Palace, um, but I'm thinking races possibly like the Sussex Stakes, the Judmont International at York, those those mile, mile two races, maybe the QE2 stakes uh, on Champions Day at Royal Ascot at the end of the year. I think those are, his, those are going to be his kind of races, and I think he's a leading player uh, for those races, and I'm glad he's not going... I don't think he's going for the Guineas. I think he's going to be running a, a handicap at Newcastle. I don't know when. That that was that was what one source said, but I haven't. I don't think I've seen him in any of the entries this week. But um, that Palace Pier, he's definitely he's definitely Group One potential. So you could get multiple victories at him in the right races. Um, so that could pull your head, Chris. Um, and the last John Gosden one I know you're keen on is Logician. Yeah, Logician. You might remember last season on a couple of podcasts we did we we seemed to dismiss his chances um in the ledger <laughs> and the um uh, the the great voltager at york i remember we they're both small fields and we were both went inside with mark johnston horses we didn't think he he'd beaten much but i think the more he raced the better he got um son of franco and i think they've always said uh this year is going to be the making of him i'm intrigued to see what races they run him in really um, I've noticed he's not got an entry in the Coronation Cup at um, or the rearranged Coronation Cup at Newmarket. He hasn't got a entry on um, Friday, which I would have thought could have been one of the obvious starting points at mile and a half, Group 1. I'm not sure where... I haven't seen any quotes about him in the anti-post betting for the Ascot Gold Cup, I think, two miles. I don't know if it'll be too long for him, but I think he's definitely capable of running well at that distance um yeah it's i don't know where where he's going to go yet maybe a race like the goodwood cup maybe which is just under two miles um could be his bag but yeah he's definitely going to be competing in those group one stay in races and wherever he turns up in maybe king george i think i think he's definitely um i think he's going to beat enable this year i think enable so a lot of people probably uh be heartbroken that's a bold statement chris yeah a lot of people probably be heartbroken for me to say this but I think um, she's not the same filly as she was last year and I don't think she'll win again she's come to the end of her winning run now she's she was never she's don't, don't get me wrong she's one of, she's been one of my favorite horses since I've got into racing but I just think last year she's not been given an extraordinary rating she's Voldgeist Crystal Ocean you know they're all within a couple of pounds of her and even though she's gone unbeaten for long periods of time until last year they never gave her a standout rating so it was only a matter of time before something came along and and Volgeist, to be fair to him he did run a credible race in the king george when he finished third to to enable and um i just think sometimes when these mares she's going to be sick you know like she's going to be she's going to be vulnerable to more improving types i think and uh and i think logician is the obvious candidate to um to take over that mantle um as much as she's a fan favorite i just think enable now it's going to be harder for her um so yeah i think logician is going to could could potentially be could potentially be um beating beating her this season if they do meet 
So that's a shrewd, a strategic choice. Um, the John Gosling trio. Um, you got me thinking here now as well, Loder. But uh, moving on to Aidan O'Brien's Peaceful. Yeah, I similar mean, similar to Jake. Yeah, I mean, you're you're gonna probably wanted to pick a few Aidan O'Brien horses, but to be honest, I wasn't really impressed with ma- ma- many of his two-year-olds last year. This was the only one I was really impressed with. Arizona, uh, Monarch of Egypt. Not sure how far they're gonna get. I was kind of thinking that they could be more sprinters than compete in like Commonwealth Cups, those six, seven furlong kind of races. Don't think they're really mild types. Um, but it was hard to be confident uh, that they'll be any good in the sprinting division when they haven't gone down that route yet and we haven't seen them. So that would have been guesswork putting them. But I think peaceful for me. She's an Oaks filly. Um, I think there's still twenty five to one out there, which I think is a crazy price. I think. If she comes over for the Epsom Oaks with Aidan O'Brien's record in it, um, she's definitely, definitely a massive player. Born with pride it is the the form line um, tied in with. I'm not. I think she'll be a later filly. I see her coming into um, to the form maybe in the autumn. I think she might take a little while to get going. Haggis normally does better throughout the year with his fillies. I tend to find. So I think. The, the Oaks Peaceful was tailor-made for that race and uh, the further she goes the better for me so yeah Peaceful was the only Aiden O'Brien horse that really took my um, took my hand I know like he's going to have Japan and other good horses but I just think early on I think a lot of them are going to disappoint because uh, he's normally a slow starter and I know we said that a lot of these trainers they're all going to be on level, play, level playing field. But I still think we're looking at some of the French racing now. We're looking at the top trainers like Andre Farb, Jean-Claude Rouget, you know. I think those lessons are going to apply over here, that not all of the top names are going to hit the ground running. And um, I think uh, Aino Brian probably will take him a couple of months for his stable to get firing. So for me, yeah, Peaceful was the only one from Bally Doyle that was ever going to make this team. Okay. Interesting. Um, the next one I do, I do think was... It was questionable from Loder. Batash, because um, I know you were looking to oppose this one, Charles Hills. Yeah. Why, why have you chucked him in Batash? How, how, why, why did you change your mind? Because there's nothing, there's nothing good enough to beat him. I, I, don't rate, I don't rate him at all. I mean, he's not... I just think he's one of those horses. That I've never liked him because of all the antics. I've never backed him when he's turned up for York. and that. I always thought he was one of these horses that you could just... Lay, lay him all the time like, I was never keen for him at Ascot when he turned up I was on blue point and obviously I was proved correct <laughs> um, he, he's just a horse that I just don't think when it comes to the big occasion he does it I know he won the group one but there was at, on, at York last year in the Nunfort but there was no serious opposition at all in that I mean Mab's Cross had been a good rival for him for a little while but she was Kind she she was better the season before when she won the Abbey last season she was good but she wasn't that good as she was I think she declined a bit and I think Batash just said the same and I I just I'm just not he's just a horse that I don't think he's I know he'll probably go down as an all time great once he he retires because of all the all of um the victories he's racked up but I just don't think there's been anything seriously good against him I think it shows that Blue Point was a much better sprinter even though Blue Point for a while it took him to get to the top and uh, Batash has just been hanging around as a king a bit like Stradivarius 
I, I well, to be fair, I like Stradivarius, but um, he's one of these horses that there's just nothing good enough to beat him. I was trying to take him on in the King Stand. That's going to be one of the first races up, one of the first bonus races, and I just couldn't see anything beating him. So, um, so yeah, so I just think Batash, he's going to be a solid yardstick in that sprinting division, and one of these things in this competition is you want to spread out, um, spread out your um, your bets. So yeah, for me, um. I think uh, yeah, Batash is going to be the one to beat in the sprint division. You want to have a diverse portfolio, Chris. That's how you want to put it. And it's looking quite good just now. Um, jumping on to the next two, which are trained by Roger Varian. A trainer I think quite difficult to catch. Uh, Pierre Lepin. Why are we on this one, Chris? Uh, I think he's a, he could be a very special horse. Uh, lightly raced, only two appearances last year. He um, won on debut very nicely at Haydock and then he went to Newbury and he won the Mill Reef and the further he got the better. I don't think uh, he'll need further than seven furlongs. I'm glad they're not going to go for the guineas with him. I think the target is the Commonwealth Cup at uh, Royal Ascot so I'm pretty sure that's where he'll be heading. Um, he is likely racing, maybe the inexperience might count against him but he's definitely a horse to... Um, to follow, keep on side. Roger Varian, I think he's not a hard trainer to catch at all. I think he's quite an easy trainer. I think he's never out of form. Um, I think you can. I think when you back Roger Varian's horses, you're gonna most of the time you're gonna come out of a profit. Um, and this is gonna be one of his stable stars of the season. I'm pretty confident that he's a he's a Group One horse in waiting. Do you not think a lot of these horses are over bet? They're too short. Um, no, not necessarily. I think I think I think in the races, especially when maybe you've got the likes of John Gosden, Mark Johnson, Michael Stout, those kind of horses. I think Roger Varian's are actually sometimes a bit of value in those markets. That, that That's my point. Maybe sometimes when there's not a big powerhouse name, um, maybe you could be, you got a point, maybe they, are, they, are, they can be a little bit short, but I think when it comes to the top races the, at the highest level, sometimes they are good prices. Um, and sometimes, like I said, the stables that I just mentioned, they're they're too short, and that's why you get the value on on Roger Varian. Look at a horse like Defoe last year. Yeah. Um, it was a massive double figure price when he won the Coronation Cup. Um, you know, he 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 he's a and he's very good in handicaps as well. He's got some good handicappers, and my next horse, I'll come on to him now. Um, Kate Byron. Kate Byron, yeah. Yeah, you know, a horse that came through the handicap ranks. Uh, he's got a great record at Ascot. The reason I put him in, I think he could be a good chance in the Diamond Jubilee. I think he's ready to uh, to do very well in those kind of races at Ascot on the straight course. Six furlong group races. I think he's a massive player and uh, he would definitely be on my shortlist for... Uh... And moving on to Brad the Brief, Tom Daskam. Yeah, this is going to be the start of the handicap section. Uh, I think it's always important to have some handicappers because some of them are the bonus races. Um, I was kind of trying to think, really. He was kind of the last handicapper I had in my... Um, that I came up with. Um, but then when I looked at him, I, re- I remembered him from last season. Yeah, for Tom Daskam, he was a lovely horse. Uh, won three of his four starts. Um, and he reminds me of a horse last year called uh, Angel Alexander. I think that's his name, for Tom Daskam. He, he won the Air Gold Cup, um, that horse. And I just think... Again, this is a horse that could take the same route as Angel Alexander. Uh, 
Bradley Briefs rated 90, and when Angel Alexander started last season, he was 80. But by the time the season ended, I think Angel Alexander was rated in the mid, uh, mid 100s. I think he was 105, 106, and ended up becoming a group caliber horse. I could see this horse going to places like Chester, Haydock, racking up plenty of wins. Think he could easily have 10 pound in hand. Um, when it comes to the end of the season, a lot of his form was rock solid as well. I think he's a nice horse to go forward and Tondaskum, like I said, he'll probably send him to his local tracks and he'll notch up a few wins there. So, yeah, I think he's he's well handicapped and uh, he could be one to follow in the sprinting division. Okay. Moving on to probably, in my opinion, the most questionable one for, from Lucky Loaders is uh, Power of Darkness, Marcus Dragoning. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of that? ascot for i mean he's, he's not he's not handicapped shooting he's quite high in the weights well i disagree i think he's got 10 pound in hand of a handicapper um when was the last time marcus dragoni had a, a good thing uh this horse actually um you think yeah <laughs> okay. um because well he's got that Mahatha that um that's definitely his stable star but this is his second stable star um, this horse. Where do you think he's going, Chris? This one. This this is the one that Royal Hunt this... Cup. Do you uh, think that's the that's the Royal route? Hunt Cup? That's... And or he could be a live danger in a race like the Cambridgeshire Handicap, over a mile. Okay. He's look at his record. He's so lightly raced. He's barely ever raced in his career. Uh, last season I think he appeared two or three times. Finished second on debut to Berenger of Alan King. Uh, who's been a remarkable horse for him in these kind of mile handicaps. Then he went to uh, then did he win it? Yeah. yeah. Then he went to Salisbury. Did he? Um, he's won there a couple of times. He's a horse that he's always he always tries his heart out, you know. And then he won at Ascot last season, and I just wonder if that was a a prep run prep run in mind. I think he's very lightly raced. He might not be the most straightforward horse. I think he's had one or two niggles in his time, but. I think of a mark of ninety eight, he's he's he he could he could still have ten pound in hand of the handicapper. I could I think he, if he won a race like the Royal Hunt Cup, you look at their handicap marks. Um, I think he's better than some of those that run in them and they're like rated one hundred and five. Um, so he yeah. has a hundred percent record at Salisbury, three out of three. Um, do you think this is a Battle of Paradise level handicapped your bar. No, no, I'm not quite. Not, not quite. Not not quite. But <laughs> I think there's a big one in him, a big pot in him. Um yeah. and you know that Marcus Tregonin, in my opinion, is a really underrated trainer. I think he does really well with the ammunition he has. Um he people don't know he used to be a great trainer quite a few years ago, but when he's actually had horses pass through his hands, he's one of my local trainers. That's why I probably have a better insight compared to a lot of people um, that follow racing. Uh, like Power of Darkness, I've backed him a couple of times at Salisbury and when I've been there, one of my local tracks. So he's always a horse that I've always known about. Uh, Marcus Tregonin did quite well with a horse a couple of years ago called the Titan, went through the handicap ranks. This Mahatha won the Greenham and then was put out for pretty much a whole year because of injury. And then he went to uh, then he went to the QE2 Champions Day, ran a really credible fifth considering he hadn't been on the race course for about six months. So he's definitely a group horse. Um, but yeah, don't underestimate Marcus Gondon. When he's got a good one in his hands, he's more capable, I think, of winning 
top racers and Roger Charlton. So there we go. You heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but power, power of Darkness, he's definitely got a good race in him, a big handicap, like the Royal Hunt Cup. These races you seem to get at Ascot every two or three weeks when there's the same field, same handicaps, you know, and he's going to pop along in one of them and win. I'm totally convinced. Loader has spoken. And that's, not the, and that's not the best handicap plot either. So we might as well end with the horse that I said that is my strongest fancy and is the best handicapped horse in Britain. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Um, it, and you, if you're listening to this, it still might not be on, on the tote uh, system. If that's the case, I'm going to change to True Shan if they don't put him on. But True Shan, you can look him up. Solid credentials. Don't need to explain about him. But um, so, uh, Last but not least... Hugo Palmer trained. Can you guess what this one is, Jake? No. Caravan of Hope. Car- it's the last horse oh, okay. of Lucky Loaders. Car- Caravan of Hope. Uh, I'd strongly urge anyone listening to this to go and look at his form, and it's a crime yeah. that he's not even on the database to put in your team. Um, he's rated 85. Now, I've got to admit, this horse, I remember watching him last season and he was a slow burner, really. Um, he so he he had quite a lot of uh, form lines with Trushan of Alan King. So he's, this is how I came on this horse. So I was going to originally put up Trushan, then I had a look at this Caravan of Hope, and I thought, oh my god, I've I found one here. Um, this so this Caravan of Hope, he he met Trushan at Wolverhampton in the summer last year, and he just went down a short head to him, and then they reopposed again about a month later at Foss Lass. And that first last form has worked out really well because this horse, Caravan of Hope, has finished second behind True Sham, uh, two lengths. And then they beat a horse of Sir Michael Stouts called Alignac. And that horse, uh, Alignac, went on to win at Kempton next time out and is rated 89. And he's going to be running tomorrow at Newcastle. So be definitely keeping an eye on him. But uh, Caravan of Hope, uh, he then went and ran in a novice race at Ascot, and he beat a horse called Pinassimo, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, of John Gosden's, uh, who was in the colours of the Queen, just beat him, but then Pinassimo trained, uh, changed hands uh, to Anthony Carson, and when he went to Anthony Carson's, he racked up a couple of wins together, given a rating of 91, and he finished second or third behind Rainbow, Rainbow Dreamer of Alan King that was winning on the all-weather a lot in the winter. And that Rainbow Rainbow Dream could have easily won on all-weather Champions Day. And that's rated in the mid-100s. So um, so that's definitely shows you, again, that's well handicapped. But the, the, the rivalry of Trushan, the Trushan form was confirmed because he went on to win a really good handicap at uh, Newmarket, and then he went on to win a conditions race at Newbury. And Trushan is now rated 109. Caravan of Hope, after their battle at Foss Lass, went on to win twice. And his last victory was by three and a bit lengths at Doncaster in soft ground. And he's rated 85. So you're telling me that a horse that beat a horse by six lengths um, of Sir Michael Stout is now... That Sir Michael Stout horse has only run once and is rated four pound higher, but... Our horse went on to win two more times. Come on, man! Like eighty-five, just looks an incredible handicap mark. And you better uh, make sure the handicapper isn't listening to this. Or the this, owners won't be happy. This, this, this horse could have twenty pounds in hand of the handicapper, and I'm not just saying that. I'm. I've read. 
there's actually been some quotes come out today. I've read a stable tour of Hugo Palmer, fresh on the At The Races website, and it says for Caravan of Hope that the two miles will be his optimum, uh, and they, they're really happy with him. And last year was just a learning curve. This is the year he's going to go for it. And he could turn out in the... he Because he'll be probably making a seasonal debut of 85. They found a race for him. They think they'll go for the consolation race in the Northumberland Plate at Newcastle. Uh, it should be a um, an easy win, in my opinion, if he turns up. Uh, <laughs> but after that, I think all, all roads head towards the Ebor. You can get him at 50-1 to 1 for the Ebor. I think by the time he gets to the Ebor, if he does go there, which is one of the bonus races, and was definitely my number one contender for the race. Alignag running tomorrow. I'd be very interested to see how he runs. Um, the handicapper may put your one up, so see how that one goes. Yeah, well, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how he does. He's 9-4, but so Michael Stout, you know, I mean, I think if he's going to be firing, win, firing in winners this week, uh, something must be going, going wrong. I know he's a top trainer, but he's a slowly patient trainer. Um, takes a while for his horses to, to rev up. Always too short in the betting early on. Um, yeah, I mean, could be a nice horse this Alignag, but uh, yeah, I'll be definitely watching to see how he gets on. If, if he runs and makes it in the first three, I'll be happy, um, I think. But uh, yeah, Alignag, just uh, watch out for him. See how he did on Newcastle at the current time of recording because the race would have already been. Okay, so Chris Lowther's top 10 for the tote to follow. Waldenick, Palace Beer, Logician, Peaceful, Vitash, Pierre Lapan, Kate Byron, Brad the Brief, Power of Darkness, and Caravan of Hope, the handicap, good thing. And one last thing I need to ask you both how are you going to spend the 100 bags? Uh, <laughs> I bought myself a new car. I'm having to walk everywhere at the minute. Okay. That'd be, my, that'd be my purchase. Jig's getting an ODRA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, nice whip. What's, what's Chris Lauder getting? Um, I don't know. Stick it all on Caravan of Hope to win next year's Ascot Gold Cup. <laughs> and Jesus. <laughs> you're, an op- you're an optimist, but I like it. But listen, guys, uh, that's been great. Thanks for your time. And obviously, uh, if anyone's interested in in the selections, they'll be put in the bottom of the bio. Um, just make sure that you, you follow us on Twitter, follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Thanks, guys. For more podcasts, please follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can check us out on social media on Twitter, where we're at In The Saddle Pod, and on Instagram, our username is In The Saddle Global.